What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondewold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Deadbeat Holiday. I've known Rob, Matt, and Sam for years, booking some of their first shows and their first bands. These guys have played together forever, and you can really see their chemistry on stage. We talk about that, the balancing act of raising your kids while playing in a band, the double standard between hip-hop acts and solo acoustic acts at open mics, and how important it is to get the majority of practice done before you start drinking so you can at least pretend to be productive. Per usual, I'll have all their links in the show notes. Make sure to keep pestering them about releasing their record in 2020. Sam tries to put a deadline on it during the show. Help keep them honest. Let me know what you guys thought of the audio quality. I tried out the Zoom L8 for the first time with these guys. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. Cool. All right, so let's go around the room and we'll introduce ourselves and go from there. I'm Rob. I play bass and I sing. Deadbeat Holiday. I'm Moats. I play drums and I do not sing. Sam Green, I play the guitar and sing. And Some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Psh, Probably ball. majority. Yeah. It depends on how nice who feels what. So, you guys have been together playing music for what, 10, 15 years? I know the first show, like official show as a band, me and Rob played together uh, just past the 11 year anniversary of that. Okay, cool. But me and Rob definitely jammed together, yeah, a couple of years before that. When I booked you guys, because I've I've known you for since you were like fourteen or fifteen, I think, right? Yes. That's too fucking long. All right, I don't <laughs> I'm like. Sorry. No, it's fine. I just don't like knowing anybody for that long. Um, Hopefully, they die by then. Yeah, that's the idea, <laughs> right? I don't. This I, is the area. Yeah, you don't need to know me for that long. Just go away. Unfortunately, the area also just drags you back into it so if you leave you just come right back if you get to leave if all you we got is drinks and drugs <laughs> unfortunately yeah and then sometimes music you got a, a poster for park rock fest 2012 in there so that's uh yeah funny stories we're not actually even on that one i don't even think johnny's dead's on it were we on that year uh you guys probably played it i'm sure you played it that year i know no I think you guys would have broke up by then never yes. mind <laughs> that's the one that got rained out i believe yeah, yeah. that whole thing got rained out like or your set there was a tornado while we were setting up on stage <laughs> that sounds okay yeah, yeah that sounds familiar actually can it be park rock without like a weather disaster coming through i mean it weekend? is outside right that that poster is very important why it, is that poster important <laughs> that that's how we found the name that'd be a holiday yeah is it yeah that's that well that's where i came from it, there's something on there i don't i don't remember what it is but something i see idle minds on there that's pretty dope something holidays on there and then so I was like, deadbeat holiday. Huh. I think that's a it's, really it's like, extensive somewhere. way to say that's how we got it. Well, that's how it popped in my head. Oh. I'm taking full credit. I like I like it. I will. I honestly I, <laughs> I came up with that off the top of the dome. He'd never Com- heard it in a, as a lyric or anything. <laughs> Completely original. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I I think it also uh it's a it's a good name because of the music that you play too because yes. it's pretty much spot on with with all that. 
Um, and I think it's I think it's interesting because you guys have played basically the same kind of music as long as I've known you, right? Yeah. Rob, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, or a bass? 13, I started playing guitar. And I was kind of jealous of Jake's playing style. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to do what he did. So a lot of times when Johnny's Dead would have practices or, you know, me and him were in like some music class in high school, I'd end up picking up his bass and just fucking around on it. And at that time, a lot of the bands I was getting into or were already into, I just happened to notice their bassist, how creative they were or how talented they were. And I'm like, I, I want to do that. Yeah, because with punk Sometimes it follows along with just the guitar, but the ones that really stand out are doing some crazy shit yeah. on there. And at that time, especially, I was really heavy into Rancid, which Matt Freeman. I will never measure up to that caliber. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think that I'm an eighth of the way there. The the first record that I heard from Rancid was actually the Rancid 2000 album, which is a really bad way to listen to Rancid, and that's like your first impression of them because it's they're like hardcore, grindcore, weird album. It's it's really great, but at least it wasn't Life Won't Wait. Yeah, well, you didn't I, get introduced I, to the reggae Rancid, right? That's my favorite <laughs> album from them. Which is really, insane, yeah, oh. I I absolutely love that album all the way through, but it, it was funny because the Axiom uh, I think is the one that he just has a, a crazy ass bass solo in on that uh, Rancid 2000 album, and it's just blew me away. I didn't even know that that could actually happen yeah. with a bass. And then I started listening to some of the other stuff, uh, and Let's Go and Out Come the Wolves, and I'm just like, oh, so he's been good ever since he just like was born. I guess <laughs> he's been good in Operation Ivy. He's Matt Freeman just—he's—he's he's Matt Freeman. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> so good. Um, and then so Johnny's Dead was that your first group that you yes. were in? Okay, and that was you, me, Jake, and Waff. That's right. I forget about that guy. <laughs> Which I, one? The uh, Waff. Waff. Yeah. Because oh. I—I forget that he's alive playing music <laughs> and stuff. I haven't seen him in. He he actually still goes out and plays. Yeah, he fills uh, in for a couple different cover bands. Yeah. Oh, really? His, yeah, every now and then. Not like playing three-hour sets with people, but like he comes, hangs out at the bar, does a couple songs and shit. Oh, that's cool. Mm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he's still jamming. Me and him actually were in the cover band for probably like four years, and Moats, too, was playing bass in that. Yeah, it was a thing. What band was that? Called Dirty Mike and the Boys. There's a sticker right above your head, actually. Yeah. Right there. Had a buddy Jeffro singing. Oh, okay. I remember mm -hmm. that now. I never saw you guys. Yeah, we've only played, I think we played at uh, Fitzy's uh, Daytime th like Benefit and uh, Heavy Hitters one okay. time. And other than that, we did like House Party. And that was a it? A couple times. Like a couple House Parties, but yeah, it was it. We jammed every week, mostly just drank a lot, but it was cool. <laughs> Don't have band practice on a Friday night, man. It's just a bad plan. It's probably not a good idea. I mean, it's a really fucking good time. Like, you should do that, but, you know, you should you should do it earlier in the evening and jam first. Yeah. Get yeah. some, pro like, uh, productivity in there first. Because once the, the beers start coming, there's probably nothing that you're actually going Especially to do. Especially I was yeah. running late all the time, so, you know, 
they're pounding while they're waiting for me, and then I get there, and then after like forty minutes playing, they're like, "This is fucking lame." Let's go to the bar. <laughs> and they're already toasted already. I mean, like I wasn't, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And that's why we practice on Wednesdays now. Hey, that I think that's the adults in you that are being like, "Oh yeah, I can drink on a Wednesday. That's fine too." Sure can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Johnny's Dead was the the first time or first group, yeah. and then Sam and Matt, you guys were around during that time, but I don't remember when you guys kind of came together all at one. I feel like you guys filled in with different bands all the way through. Is that right? Yeah. So Johnny's Dead was a thing, and when we first started out, it was a uh, it was more of a horror punk band, right? Which was cool because. You know, I was I was big into that at the time, but still, uh, pop punk was more my forte. So I guess I kind of still had that like on the back burner of, okay, I still want to play this type of music. Let me get something going. That's when I reached out to Sam, and Jake wasn't really about that. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, that lineup just kind of flip flopped a lot of times, but the solid lineup was uh, me, him, and Norman. I didn't meet Moats until probably I was a junior in high school. I was going to say, we were in 10th grade, probably. Yeah. We started, like, hanging out. I met him by our freshman year. We had a couple classes together. But then uh, we started hanging out and stuff about, like, halfway through sophomore year. We're bad at staying on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> no, no don't, don't worry about that. You're, Honestly, you're speaking of Johnny's Dead, you've been bad at it four years. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so essentially... I started hanging out with him more than Jake. <laughs> That'll happen sometimes. For and those that don't know, me and Jake are brothers. So the whole like Johnny's Dead thing, I was around just hanging out right. all the time. Standard little brother tag along. I was like, your band's cool. My band's non-existent. <laughs> he was actually my unofficial guitar tech. I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm so much better than everyone in your band. I should be in this band. This is bullshit. <laughs> One day Rob will put the glass slipper on my foot. <laughs> Was that with Just Add Water? Yes. Is that mm. is that the band? Yeah, that's when okay. that came in. 2009? 2009 was, I guess, the kickoff of that. That's when you came in. Well, I came in the end of 08. You had, like, Perverse Kids and Adolescent Age, like, 07, 08. Yeah. And uh, I joined, I'm like... I'm glad you remember that, because I, I was like, there were some names before that, I don't remember them. You came to me with I Won't Forget and Dante 3000 in November of 08. Okay. And that's when we started getting together and writing songs together. So, and we did that show at Olivia's house in January of 09. So we probably went under Just That Water as a title, you know, that spring. Yeah. And that's when we started playing shows at the church and stuff that yeah. you were booking. Mm -hmm. Moats came in shortly after that. Wasn't long. I think later later on that year, it was about spring, springtime, summertime. Okay. I think it was the following year because uh, TJ. I mean, he wasn't playing with us, but that's where he like comes into the picture. Oh yeah, yeah, that for sure. But he came in the picture playing with us right, right after that because TJ was going to college, I believe, or he was getting ready for college. Something I don't know. Yeah, that's when we convinced you to get a drum set. Yeah, mm -hmm. so my um, screenplay. How did how did all that start? I guess it was everyone anticipated that Norman was going to college. And uh, you were like looking for a backfill for drums. <laughs> You're like, let's get a drum set. And 
Yeah, I was like, there's no way my parents are going to let me get a drum set. <laughs> See, in high school, me and Rob had already decided we had no future. We were already <laughs> dedicated. You were going to play music no matter what. I didn't mean to interrupt you most. So, well, um, i trying to think what happened next. Well, I did guess. you play drums before someone told you to go get a drum set? Absolutely not. That's fantastic. I had sat down at Waff's probably like two or three times and messed around with them. And he tried to teach me a couple of songs and I was like, huh. It seems hard. I'm not going to bother. <laughs> Realistically, I've been teaching you guitar for the most part at that time, like a lot, because we found uh, your dad's in the basement. Yeah, yeah, right that was a thing. Then. I um, I was like way late to the guitar learning game. Like everybody else was going to guitar club, and I was like, man, I want to learn how to play guitar. Right, right. And everyone else was way ahead of me. So I feel like that's kind of another piece of how I gravitated towards drums. Like everyone else is too good and too far behind. I'm not going to bother. But um, he's a pretty solid guitarist. I want that to go on the record for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Better than and me. basses. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, um, turns out my parents, when I asked them to buy me a drum set, they were like, "Eh, okay, we'll try it." So <laughs> on my, I think it was my fifteenth or sixteenth birthday. I don't remember which one. They got me a drum set, and we took Waff along to help pick it out because. Uh, we were like looking for some used ones and I couldn't find one with that that had hardware and cymbals. So they just went up to Hot Licks when it was still around and bought me like a the all in one cheap starter Tama kit. Oh, that works. And uh I still got that one in a corner in those drum cases actually right there. So uh yeah, it's kinda how it started. Okay, cool. And then so we had just at Adwater, TJ goes off to college instead of Milo, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> Was, is that kind of the the end of that band for the most part? Because I feel like that was still around for a while. So but I don't there were so many lineup changes and everything. So when this he begins when he got the rebranding, yeah. So okay, it was actually before he left. We knew he wasn't gonna. He he didn't really have that commitment. Okay, um, which we understood. So we had uh, Sam Norris at one point. I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah, that happened. I was already skipping the chapter. You want to get stoned? <laughs> <laughs> um, Shit. <laughs> we had him for a little uh, little while, and then Norman came back. Or Norman, TJ, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not calling him TJ. Fuck that noise. <laughs> it's too uniform. It is too uniform. Yeah, we got to give him a like, out-there name, like Norman. Like uh, That's a real rule-breaker rebel name. Nobody uses their real names anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. <laughs> so then we got him back, and then he went to college, and we're like, oh, we'll make it work. And then at one point, Moats was actually playing guitar with us, so we were a four-piece. And then Norman ended up leaving again. We picked up uh, Steven Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's when we were the reach-arounds. Okay, yeah. I he didn't mention that. I still say the coolest <laughs> name that we ever had. Did you talk to him recently? Yeah, I interviewed, like, him, interviewed uh, him. I was gonna say if you hadn't, the th- stuff they're doing with Nah is yeah. Awesome. So there, there are a couple of episodes before yours. Mm. Um, Steven's fantastic, doing really, really well up there. Nah's really good, and then we went through kind of the, his whole gambit. I didn't even know that he played with you guys. Mm. I remember him around. It was like a summer. Oh, was that it? Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't long. I mean, he he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal musician. Yeah, he at the time was a really good guitarist uh, as well. Yeah, but it just didn't really click that well. I had to step up my game up being in the band with him because he was killing it on drums, and I'm like, 
I can't be fucking up the guitar knowing that you could play it better than me while you're <laughs> the same, even your thing. That, you know, well, was, how so. old were you guys when that happened? I was uh, 18. Yeah, yeah, 18 or 19, because I had just turned 18 right when we um, went to Atlanta. And because I think uh, he, he ended up going to D.C. shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah, not too long. He's also a pretty good rapper. <laughs> True story. I did not know that. <laughs> True story. He won't, I don't know if he'll tell you or not, but he's pretty pretty solid. Well, if he listens to this, now I have to get him to record something. All right. Just don't make don't but, make me make a comeback because I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm out of the game for um, a minute. I mean, we sounded really tight, but when it came to new stuff and some of the criticism and stuff, we just had creative differences. Sure. So just, uh, I mean, we we just let him go and there was no hard feelings there. And obviously he's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's doing he's, good. He's, and, he's doing just so, fine. And then I guess that's when we picked Moats back up and then it just kind of became like a, a basement thing. We just get together and jam for a couple months, and then we'd stop. Then we'd pick back up and stop. Before we move <laughs> on from that chapter, I think it's quite crucial that we should tell that Atlanta story because, like, <laughs> oh, Stephen was still in the band at that point, but Moats came with us on the trip, anyways. Oh yeah, I was, I was a groupie for that trip. So what happened? Well, we uh, had gotten messages. Well, Rob was talking to Joe Queer. He can tell the story better than I can, for sure. I don't oh, know why from I the, started the Queers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was talking to Joe in the MySpace days because I followed the Queers on MySpace. And he had made a post about his studio in Atlanta, Monster Zero Studios. And he's like, any band that wants to record um, all authentic, uh, whatever, just like old school recording, uh, send me a message. And I did, and then we also met up with them at a show they did in Baltimore. And we just kind of stayed in cahoots for a while, and then finally made it happen. That's really, really cool. Uh, But then it went down the drain. (laughs) I was going to say, we can't skip the story, because it's one of the, like... I, I don't top I don't, parts of our cr- musical career. I don't like, like telling the story uh, because I'm yeah, I'm I'm really bitter about it. Oh yeah, same here. But, but it's probably one of the best things we've ever done. Well, talk and about it. It was it was supposed to be, you know, our our album. The the songs were good. We we played good. It's too erotic. It, it that's what it was going to be called. So it was going to be the reach around. It's too erotic. That's really solid. Exactly. <laughs> that, right? I dig it. But, you see that on a shelf. You're buying that. You haven't heard nothing yet. Yeah. You have, no one's told you about that band. You don't even know what genre it is. You just see that. You're like, I'm at least going to pop it in and listen right. to it. Right? Anyway, uh, we got down there, and it was a cool studio. And overall, we had a great time. But there was a lot of sketchiness going on there. Okay. Apparently, there's a dude doing heroin in the bathroom. Oh, that's not good. Possibly while we were there. <laughs> We it was definitely that. while we were there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while we were there. Anyway, we recorded it and we got a rough copy. Okay. That we left with, that wasn't mastered at all. And so it's just real quiet and frankly poorly mixed. Yeah. And he's like, "All right, you know, I'll uh, I'll put my touch on it. We'll get back to you." And it was cool because, like I said, I, uh, I mean, we even had Joe on the doing backups in one or two songs. Uh, at least two, and that's the part I was like most salty about because like his his backups were like the most like mixed out of the whole thing. It's like, <laughs> all right. Well, you and just... you guys you guys were eighteen 
at the time, just about. Yeah, eight, so think right? of how cool we felt. Like, yeah, Joe Queer's on our track. That's yes. singing backups to songs we wrote. Right, that's what I'm thinking of. I remember in high school, one of uh, one of my uh, club pictures for the yearbook is me in a queer shirt, <laughs> which I didn't even think that they would let me wear at the high school. Yeah, uh, but that was that's a whole completely different era now. I enjoyed wearing it to school for the same reason. Yeah, uh, but it, it, that's that's interesting because I mean they've they've been around for fucking ever and was definitely a part of probably your musical influence. In Absolutely, there. and. That's what makes me the most bitter about it is that since that all fell through and I, I, I still, I don't know what to believe in the story. So apparently what had happened was whoever Joe was dealing with there ended up locking mm-hmm. him out of the studio and selling all his shit and stuff. I don't know. Selling all his gear without... Yeah. As of the tapes, because we recorded this on an old school analog, fucking, like, yeah. yeah, analog tape, like, uh word but like <laughs> recorder yeah that's yeah. what i wanted to say that but i was like that can't be right that's too easy of an answer but like i the only one i remember for sure he said was rem recorded on this machine like he had just bought he said it bob dylan recorded yeah on it. he said a whole bunch of people have recorded on this, on this ma- particular tape which we recorded something so i'm like regardless of how good or bad it might have been i fucking won it yeah so yeah but yeah, I gotta so turn down the heat. I'm getting <laughs> <laughs> so, so he 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 ends up telling us that. So we kind of pretty much just lost out on the whole thing. So when you said that you left with like a demo, that wasn't really a demo. That was it's just like an idea. It's like a it's, it's almost like, like equivalent of a, yeah. It was like okay. an unmixed, unmastered. Just they dumped all the tracks into one large track on a CD. Oh, that's lame. So it okay. wasn't. Like, we should have, had we known at the time, or had I known what I know now about, like, recording and whatnot, we right. could have easily got, like, a Pro, Pro Tools export of it or something, but... Yeah, that's that's what I was just thinking about. I mean, you, you should be able to get, hopefully, the multi-tracks or, or whatever, you know, get everything together, because even if it's not mixed right, you can still try to get it mixed somewhere else. Yeah. That stinks. So, that whole time that you're there, you're feeling pretty sketched out already, I assume, right? Because... Or are you oblivious to everything that's happening? No, nah, it was like the neighborhood that was sketchy. Not the okay. The, the studio was like a warehouse in kind of a weird neighborhood. So I don't think we were sketchy. We were the sketched out at all nice. about the studio. There it was, was all, just uh, one or two sketchy people that came in there a time or two. So uh, the first night when Joe left, uh, he told us there was an envelope on a desk behind a curtain in the other room where we were sleeping, and he said, "If anyone messes with you, look in that envelope, and it'll tell you where the gun is." Oh, <laughs> so uh, you guys stayed in the studio? Yeah, we slept there. Rob and I showered in the sink because there was no shower. Sam didn't shower the whole time. <laughs> Unnecessary. You nasty. Yeah. <laughs> you gross. All right. I was like eighteen. <laughs> I'd do it still, but it, like it was. It was three days, maybe. Yeah, you guys were the, like. I'm nasty, but these fucking women, <laughs> I will tell you. Hey, <laughs> Sammy, my hair's greasy. It, it didn't I, sound I, like that at I'll all. I take but. my hygiene very seriously. Yeah. It does. You have to. Because, I mean, you can be punk, but there's a difference between being punk and just, like, crusty and gross. <laughs> so It wasn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, anyway, it's... Uh, we pretty much left with nothing. I've talked to Joe since, and he's like, it's not on... Or he's like, it's not on me, but I'm going to refund you. I apologize for it, this and that. 
and it just that never happened. Right. But I I think all of us have seen the queer since. I I know I have numerous times. I've had conversations with Joe and it's just kind of like swept under the rug at this point. Yeah, I mean it's what 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh and Moat still gets a shout out every time. He does. <laughs> he he fell in love him, with yeah. Moats. Really? Yeah, every time we've seen him since, um, Joe, like in the middle of the show, in the middle of a song, I'd be like, and something about Mozi or something. And <laughs> song goes out to Mozi. Doesn't even know those two are there. Just me. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That uh, the show in D.C. with Screeching Weasel, I, I got a shout out that night. Oh, did you? Because I texted him that <laughs> that day. Oh, right. And yeah. I was like, I was like, hey, man, I really want to hear definitely. Do you think you can do that for me? Because uh, we haven't done it in a long time, but uh, he's like, we'll definitely, give it a shot. maybe. <laughs> and I think they got like partially through the song uh-huh. or, or maybe they finished it but it didn't go over well and he's like oh I got a text message to do that song this morning it, we, it wasn't planned sorry <laughs> <laughs> so actually no I don't think he did say my name but I knew it was about me yeah, yeah. Um, but That's- yeah I mean it's just kind of like you know did he screw us over did somebody else screw us over I don't know and I guess with him being such a influence on me and how much I, I love the queers and just like that era yeah, of punk rock, like you know, the queers and Screech and Weasel and stuff. I just don't want to admit if it was him. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, not only are these your your heroes already, you're super young. That's going to be one of the first times that you're recording, yep. right? Yep. And then you become an adult. You know that shit happens here and there, but at the same time, it's just like, I guess it's just too late to make a stink out of it. Yeah. And you still look up to the the music. The music, at least, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I actually um, just, I think it was like on Black Friday, they had some deal uh, that the queers posted up on Facebook. They're like, hey, you can have four queers records for 20 bucks. I was like, done. Yeah. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still giving them my money. That's that's fantastic. Well, he, he also probably still has your money. So yeah, and, and uh, we actually just played Savage Mountain Punk Festival this past summer, and they headlined the night before us. Yeah, okay. I remember seeing something about that. Yeah. So, I mean, even though it wasn't like the same night, I'm like, eh, we still were on the same bill as them. That's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> I got the poster hanging in my house. It says the queers at the top, Debbie Holiday in the corner. Looks pretty tight. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not too bad. Was that with, that was with the reach arounds? Yeah. Okay. So, actually, Steven Rodriguez, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's the most bitter about it. Really? Not not because of like what happened, just the fact that he lost out on money. Oh uh, yeah, 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 that makes <laughs> so, sense. Because if I like bring up anything or you know make like a post about the queers or something, he's just like, "Hey, he still owes me six hundred dollars." And I'm it's like, uh, four twenty five. But <laughs> well, was that? No, he's right. It, it was it was four twenty five for each. the whole the whole band or uh, for as, each for, three, for, for three the recording. Us. But, like, we obviously spent a bunch more money getting down to Atlanta and, like, food right. and shit. And then it happened to be, um, was it, it was his birthday. Yep. Yeah, we went to the titty bar, so obviously we spent, yeah, some money there. But, like... Oh, Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you look at it, though, just from what I'm hearing from you guys, not only are we young, that's a lot of money for however young you are. Yeah. To record it was like half of my graduation money that was just like poof. Right. Right. And then to record something that you don't even get to 
listen to yeah. in its full entirety or have anybody work on to make it even better to have some kind of record of what you're doing. Moats tried. Uh, I mean, I yeah, there wasn't really much I could do with it. Like I said, it's not even a multi-track. It's literally just, just one single. stereo. Yeah, there's not really anything. I put it on Fruit Loops and redid my guitar solos so you could hear them, and that was also terrible. But like, that's that the extent. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, you would probably be able to do a better job in the basement that you have now. Hundred uh, percent. Which is I actually mean, what we just did. Yeah, yeah. drinking money. The the one single that's out right now. That was all done literally right here. Drum set sitting in the exact same place. <laughs> Yeah, so did that take any kind of wind out of your sails to pursue anything further? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, it wasn't going to stop me from playing music, but I mean, at that point, I was like not serious about anything. I had no responsibilities at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just going to be a musician. I'm just, I'm going to be in this, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to be on MTV and whatever, but. Yeah, you know, I, I can I can just live off being being in a punk van, just living in a van, <laughs> and you know, just just traveling around, and you know, just scraping by, but doing what I love to do. And then after that, it was just kind of like, eh, I should probably do something, <laughs> but I'm still gonna play music because it's still enjoyable. Right. Right. So that was with the reach arounds. Yeah. When does Deadbeat Holiday become an actual thing? So after that, I think we might have disbanded for a short period of time. And then, like I said, it just kind of became a basement thing. We just get together, hang out in the basement, play songs, drink, watch TV. TJ I mean, came back for a little bit. Yeah. Just jam around stuff. Uh, and we did. And I think that's when we came up with the name Deadbeat Holiday because we did like a a show for a friend of ours. It was a Halloween party at his house and that's when Moats was playing guitar and Norman was on drums. Nah, we did that as the foremans. That's right. We did that as the foremans. Uh, but it was the same overall yeah. kind of lineup. Yeah. Moats playing guitar and us having two guitarists, Rob on bass and TJ playing drums. And we that disbanded shortly after that. It's funny when you say disbanded because when you talk about or when you say that, you think that the members of your band all <laughs> go away. Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the members the, of I mean, your band really have never see, gone away. The important ones did. I ran into this dude at a food lion. I ain't seen them in forever. And he's with his, like, seven-month pregnant girlfriend pushing a grocery cart. I was like, oh, I guess you're having a kid. That's neat. I thought we were friends. I think that's just how life works. So uh, don't feel Rob. Too. I was yeah. embarrassed. <laughs> embarrassed? Yeah. Why? I'm going to tell him you said that. I'll tell him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I was 20, getting ready to turn 21. Had nothing going for me. (laughs) I was living with my parents, uh, working retail. This band is not too far off. You know, I took on the responsibility of one kid, and then I was getting ready to have another one, so. I mean, that'll do it. I remember being in that boat. I remember losing my job at 22, because the the whole company decided to sell. Yeah. And then having to move back to my parents' one bedroom apartment uh in Wildwood and it was me, my sister and my mom and my stepdad. I think they were just dating at the time, but it was still just like four people in one apartment. And that used to be my apartment, but I couldn't afford to live there anymore. 
So I started renting out a room, and then my mom was like, well, I guess we'll just move in here because we need the, the space, and you need to take over everything else. So I remember being at that, at that point, I didn't have a car because I was using a company car, and then they were just like, you're fired, or we're selling the whole company, so you got to get a drive. I was working out of a um, wine distributor from Baltimore. Oh. So I go to Baltimore for a meeting, and then they drive me back home on a f- after right after the meeting, and you're like, "You're no longer with it. We're, you're the first cut because we're gonna sell everything." So they had everything set up, which was not a fun time. But I remember being kind of in that spot where, you know, I I didn't have a car, I didn't have a job, I was jobless for like four months or so, and then I started working retail. I opened the Coles down there, oh. and that started like rebuilding my whole path in there but that i couldn't imagine doing all that and then being like oh yeah i guess i'll have a kid too that'll <laughs> that'll be fun you know i i got busy with that i guess and i mean we we pretty much just saw each other around at that point so what year was ryan born cuz there was a stint where i was away at college as well yeah that was like 2013ish and that's when he was born okay you were here when he was born I mean that was the summer, but a year the year after you were still in college. Yeah. I was um, away for a bit. Yeah. And I still came back occasionally and we played once in a while, but it didn't really when did we really start picking back up after I moved back and we played Twenty sixteen is when we went to Danielle's house. Yeah. And actually a do- Ray hit us up about a show. And you guys weren't really talking too much. No. Whatever. And uh, he was like, you guys want to play? Because it's all punk bands and stuff. And we're trying. You know, it's a skateboard party in the basement with a mini ramp. Should be awesome. Y'all feel right in. I was like, I haven't seen either of them dudes in like a month or two. I haven't talked to either of them since then. And I don't think they've talked to each other in like six months. I don't know. And... Uh, I just kind of was like, hey, y'all want to just kind of do this one show just for old time's sake, bullshit, play all the same songs. And then uh, we said Debbie Holiday because it was at the top. There was a whiteboard right there that had a list of names, potential, and that was at the top. And I was like, well, I guess we'll go with that because I had nothing better to say. Right. And uh, we did that, and it was a fucking blast. And we were like, yeah, we need we need to keep doing this more. I so, <laughs> I tell them all the time, but Ray from L and T is the reason we're a band. Nice reason we're still a band. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, we were like we did the basement thing for a while. We didn't go out and play, and because you you've seen the scene here, we were that too. The scene died. The scene that is now didn't exist yet, and the scene that you remember of like the most dominant feature being Fred was. <laughs> Just like it was dying, so I mean, we had that experience in Atlanta. The scene here was bullshit. It, you know, he was starting his life. I was spiraling my life. <laughs> uh, Moats is going. To college. We just, you know, had no interest to like play out at all. We were just like, well, we're they'll do anything. We're gonna have to go up to the city on weeknights all right. the time, and we're just not doing that right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's there's a quite a bit of a, a dip. Between like when I stopped doing shows, I think the last show that I actually put on was in 2014 at Memories, I think. Because I had moved up to La Plata 
I want to say around then, or was at least working in Waldorf around then, and I wasn't doing anything uh, down in St. Mary's, really. I, I did a couple shows at uh, Bollywood at the Lounge when that was there, um, but I remember my last, I think my last two shows were in 2014, if I remember right. Those were really good shows, but at the same time, that's kind of like when I fully left, and there seemed to be a big lull between what it is now, which is really just resurged in the past three, maybe four years, and what it was at one point where there was a lot of original music and a lot of places to play, like especially when you guys were younger, there were a lot of more opportunities. And then it just seemed to come back when everybody was like, oh yeah, we're adults, we can go out to bars and shit. I think the biggest thing back then is there was a huge all-ages scene. Right. Uh, and that's mainly because there was a lot of bands in high school back then. And, I mean, obviously I'm not in high school, but I guess... There could be. We don't know because there's no scene for them. Yeah. Right. But, and if but, there is, we don't play those shows. I mean, we that. had Room with a Brew. I'm sure there are some other ones. That's the it. church. That, that's the staple. And, and it was so much easier to promote back then because we were in school. It's like, hey... Uh, you know, it's Friday. You, you hey, see we're playing two thousand other kids every we're day. We're playing a show tonight, <laughs> right, right across the street from the high school. You uh, come out, and yeah, I mean, there were there were a couple older bands, but I think majority of them were were still in high school. I mean, you had uh, like Joy Radio back then. Mm-hmm. Then there was like Audio Strobe Light would come here. So dope. Uh, Nugget. Oh yeah, I forgot about <laughs> Nugget. Yeah, I stayed at my house. We played Tony Hawk all night. North Carolina, if I remember right, yep. Greensboro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I remember them. Uh, cause they they played a couple t- different times. Yeah, I don't even remember how Johnny's Nugget. I think, like, I think Jake found them. I guess, I don't but know. I don't even remember. Well, they how. were friends with all the Astrobite already. Yeah, yeah, that from, sounds right. From them being, you know, more South Mid Atlantic. Yeah, cause they're Virginia Beach area. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I just remember that one show. It was uh, Johnny's Dead. All your strobite and nugget at um, Room of the Brew, and we broke the door to the bathroom. <laughs> that was probably your show. Uh, yeah, that's probably why we had to kick everybody out and stop doing shows there. So that's cool. Yeah, thanks. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> way to way to kill the scene by breaking the door. Yeah. I'll, oh yeah, it was me. I was the only <laughs> one of the 15 <laughs> kids breaking that door down. Uh, we're gonna blame you. You you cop to it. So what are you gonna do? I'm proud. That scene had to die. <laughs> But it yeah, per- I, I think it's interesting that there was a little bit of a lull, and now it's kind of back. It's 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 greatly picked back up. Like I said, it's it's not all ages anymore. Not right. gonna lie, alcohol plays a huge factor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now like that you're we, older and able to do that, yeah. for a, like a short little stint, if we were playing a show and we we, we had to ask like, so, well, I think is it, it, you guys sell beer because like <laughs> we can't really sell tickets if you don't sell beer. Right. As, that's a huge factor. Yeah. On us getting and, our clientele to come. I think the local bars around here finally opened up to original material. So, I mean, obviously they're still booking cover bands and stuff, but I want to say it was the door gave us a chance. The, yeah, to actually the play door was original the biggest music, opportunity to play an original, and they gave us a three-hour set. Yeah, and uh, you know we played probably half and half originals and covers. And we just marketed it really well. We had a bunch of friends and shit that wanted to do the stuff. And then we just all came out. We 
we pretty much packed the place and they had really good sales and they were like, well, <laughs> I mean, that's all we care about. Right. So, I mean, if you guys, people are coming, people are spending money, you can keep doing whatever. And then that just kind of, I don't know if that happened before everyone else, but like the fall of memories kind of yeah. like almost helped because there was no, like that was the only thing about like a uh, bar doing local music. Uh, Hotel Charles, maybe. But Five yeah. South helped out a lot. Yeah, Five South coming definitely helped. Yeah, I, th- I think the fall of memories is actually probably a good catalyst of what is happening now in, in St. Mary's, at least. Mm. Yeah. Also, Brandon Nicholson, Jake Flannery, Instrumental Records as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. That. So they, I would say they instrumental. Did so much. Uh, Travers and Steve Nelson. Truth. And From Aaron. Shaladeep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Testerman. Yeah. They play the biggest parts in building this up. That dude's a mover and a shaker. Which one? Aaron. Motherfucker just puts things together, man. Tells this dude, tell that dude, you know. Hey. I'd like for him to make a flyer that's easier to read. Uh, <laughs> You're telling us. But other than that, I mean, he's he's doing great. Nah, he's the man. Yeah. I, I, think, it's, I think it's really cool to seeing everything. The... Like what we kind of mentioned, and uh, it's it's become kind of a theme for everything down here, is it is very disappointing that there isn't a younger scene in there. Yeah. Because you guys without have, that our scene doesn't exist. Right. Well, the the other thing about that too is that it's all the same bands that've been playing for like fifteen years. Pretty much. Yeah. So when you look at it, you have Steve, you have Travers, they've been doing Shallow Deep mm-hmm. for like twenty years, I feel like, and then you guys have been playing. I still go see Hydrofex all the time. Right, right, exactly. And then you guys have been playing in one form or another for 10, 15 years Mm -hmm. yourselves. So it's it's crazy to see that. It is also really nice to see that uh, it has become a very tight-knit community. And you guys all like each other for the most part, I think. I like the other bands. Yeah. Not my own. Right, right. Understandable. Because no matter what kind of music, I think everybody really gets along a well. Because there's a big variety down here too. I feel like there there's a huge huge variety. But one of the funnest shows I think we played was at the Tavern in 2018, and we were the only punk band on the bill. The other ones were strictly metal. <laughs> but the way we are as a band is. We're just a bunch of jackasses. Right. So speak for yourself. <laughs> so I mean we just we we went with it and just the whole night we're just like cracking jokes like, Yeah, we're the heaviest band here. Um it's gonna get softer after this, don't worry. Uh we played like opening riffs to uh <laughs> Number of the Beast. As you nice. can guess, my guitar skills shined that night <laughs> for sure. So you played more than just three chords? Oh, and I made sure to mention it every time I did. I was like, "Look, guys, I can fit in with y'all. I get, I, I know a scale." But but I mean, and, and the best thing about it is all the bands on that bill. I mean they they made us feel welcome. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, even though it's completely a different style, we we still fit right in. And I mean, everybody in those bands are all just great dudes. Speaking of the mix up and stuff, that whole dip of us not doing stuff. For like 2012 to 2016 and stuff, the only local music I had anything, I just we just went to parties and did hip hop music all the time, and it was awesome. It was just the whole genre of thing just flipped over to a whole 
Yeah. But everyone was still like, you guys still doing punk? I'm like, sometimes. <laughs> Would you be into us doing the same at both shows? And that actually happened once in uh, Lusby. Yep. We played a show with uh, Space Lumberjacks and Ghetto Birds. So it was- I uh, don't know any anything about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wilson and Mike from Ghetto Birds opened up with all hip hop for like 20, 30 minute set. And then we played- and then Space Lumberjacks played. It was all a house party somewhere, I think, in the ranch club. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. That's a good it time. was too good of a time. That's uh, cool. I uh, I didn't even night. I didn't even know that. Uh, there's there's a big subculture of hip hop around here. Yeah, but they're all like living room recordists or basement recording. I actually noticed the uh, Brass Rail open mics, there's been people coming out and actually doing hip-hop performing, which is, like, so obscure for this area. Like, yeah. people it, don't do it. There's uh, N-double-O-K. I think that's his name. Yeah, he's he, pretty solid. He, he's been out there quite a bit. Fantastic. And he's out there with one or two other guys, but I I don't know what their names are. That's awesome, because I know there's a, a ton of people that do hip-hop here, well, but they all record... And will release songs, but you aren't able to play really, which is really disappointing. But there's a flip side because it, it's it's tried. They've tried to do it a couple different times, like at the Loveville Tavern, mm-hmm. and that's gone real bad. Um, <laughs> I've never stepped foot in that building for obvious reasons that we speak of. Yeah, but it's it's disappointing because every time that I've seen hip hop shows happening around here there's some kind of bad thing that happens whether it's violence or whether it's something worse well you can't Ooh, really get much DJ worse. Papers does the Rex and there's a brawl every time outside right. in, Lar- in Larrytown right so it's it's interesting it's still that was tight and it, it's it stinks because I think there's a lot of talent down here yeah um, but they they don't get an opportunity to really play. Either. See, but that's a double standard that I hate, especially being a fan of hip hop. Obviously, I don't do it, <laughs> but you know, I, I love the culture and the music and everything. And all you see is like memes on Facebook or just people like coming out to like the open mics and just kind of like making jokes about it. It's for whatever reason, it's embarrassing to be a local rapper, but they don't understand that it starts somewhere. Yeah. And it's embarrassing and, to come out regardless. Yeah. It, but that's the thing is a local band will get more respect. But for some reason, if it's like, you know, some guy thinks he's a rapper, it's it's laughable. And I, I also think that people don't realize how much hard work that they have to put in yeah. to do that because there's there's two things. One, down here, especially because they are basically by themselves the entire time, they have to be able to figure out beats, recording, everything. And then have to be able to build their brand online or kind of in, in a community, but it's all going to be online. Like it's, I think it's such a more difficult thing to do that than it is to play out and be able to play in bars, be able to go in bars, be able to get your stuff exposed with a live show because they're just not really able to do that. That also helps for sure with like what he's saying, like the power of the posse. Like if you bring, if you bring ten people that are fucking with what you're doing on stage, the rest of the people in the building are gonna like. If you don't suck, they're gonna start like yeah coming toward like someone else being into it's gonna make other people into it. But if you come out without that, it's just really hard to get that first person's attention. So it it just helps a lot to bring some people. And it's hard when they're a one-man operation trying to 
get their beat straight, trying to get their rhyme straight, which you can read some of our lyrics. I got some whole verses that are two sentences. Like, you know how much harder it is to write lyrics for hip-hop than it is for this? <laughs> right. It's difficult. But yeah, I mean, have you have you all ever noticed that? Hip-hop double standard? Yeah, for sure. Like, even karaoke nights. Like, some guy will, will go up there and, like, and, and do, like, a rap song, and people are, like, laughing at him. Or, or that you know, they, they don't take it seriously, and it just, it, it bugs me. It's almost <laughs> odd, too, because I feel like, at the same time, there is this weird lack of original country music in an area that's so country music heavy. Absolutely. And it's so odd because like like anyone that's good at playing country around here is going directly into playing country and classic rock covers yes. and getting paid directly. And it's just weird that they don't have that original music. Like, you, you know, we're dying for more bands like us to be playing around here. No, I, I noticed that. Too. I mean, you know my opinion on cover bands anyway not saying there's anything wrong with it but i'm trying to start back up i need that money doug i I feel like there needs to be more originality i for one i'm just tired of going to any bar around here and hearing the same song done by a different band well that's why i think we should do more um you know lights you can hear chris tingling (laughs) (laughs) that's why i think we should do more (laughs) this is why moats never gets a mic (laughs) You have one chance, and you blow it! Nah, you didn't blow it. It's been going swell. You know, whatever I was saying about that, though. I'm not even <laughs> sure. We took over. Mm-hmm. We switched over to this lack of, like, uh, country music uh, original artist in the area, which is odd because there's, like, it's such a, like, heavy country music area. Like, it's the only thing the radio is playing that is new country or old classic rock. And anyone decent at playing country music around here immediately dives right into playing country covers and classic rock covers and getting actually paid to play music all the time. And it's just odd because all of us are just only focused on, like, no one's trying to make a Blink-182 cover band to go play the bars every night. <laughs> However, we should corner that market before anyone does that. Well, so they're they're doing a lot of that stuff up in the cities, though. I've noticed yeah. there's a flyer yeah. up every time for like this tribute band, that tribute band. That's pretty much all that's going on. Yeah, and that's that's really really weird to me. Um, I've seen a couple different shows that are like the Who tributes or like a Radiohead tribute, mm-hmm. which is really cool because they'll have multiple people do different songs from the Who or different songs from Radiohead, and then there's this huge movement out now that's oh, we're going to just do the 90s or we're going to do emo and then we're going to have all these bands play those songs. And it's really weird. Um, I guess it's just that nostalgia factor Mm -hmm. um, that's coming in real bad. But it's it's a big thing. I think that you could definitely do. Yeah, I'm not gonna here. lie. I'm trying to bring it down here because they're not really doing it too much. And we've like, discussed doing a three set show at a bar around here, where we just play covers, where each set is specifically focused on one band. Yeah, I don't know when we're gonna do it, but we'll do it. Look for that in 2020 because I've I really want to make that happen. So would you guys play? As each band, or would you have three bands play as whatever? I want to do it as each one because I'm selfish. We're, we're, <laughs> no, no, we, we talked about doing three bands of our influence. Right. And we'll we'll just go out and play their songs. Uh, Plus, how are we going to pick one, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, there's that. It's hard enough to pick three. Um, 
Because what they've been doing up the road in like DC and Baltimore is that they'll have specific like tribute bands do a full set of as Nirvana or yeah. as we, Alice in Chains. There was or a couple whatever. bands doing that down at like the door and Five South a couple times where yeah. they would have like three or four local bands all do like they had emo night and yeah. they did you know same same idea one band does one band uh, we're just talented enough to do all three <laughs> and by talented enough i mean we've been playing the same songs together for like 15 years so we got we've racked up a number so of them by now. we actually have done it once new year's eve 2016 we were down in wilmington north carolina so we we played the night before just as a normal band that that show was actually a disaster because it was a five band bill and all but it was two, still a lot of them. All but two dropped off. The oh, one, that's the, not good. The one other band that played broke up on stage. It was apparently <laughs> it was apparently planned. Like the band that was headlining was a, like a bigger local band around that area, and they uh-huh. actually bring in a lot of people. And they were like a punk band. It was a punk bar, and it was, it was like supposed to be awesome for us, like spreading our music out. Yeah. But what it was like the singer or one of the members' birthday. And his band was throwing him like a surprise party or his wife did has a surprise trip. So his band had to keep up with, you know, the motions and tell everyone like, yeah, we're playing the show to keep him surprised. And to keep the surprise real, they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so we, it, and except for the other two bands that weren't there, because I'm sure they were involved in the same, you know, sure. whatever ups going on. And, uh, That's pretty shitty to have an out-of-state band. It worked out because that other band broke up, so really we were the only band that performed, so we got 100% of the door. Oh, They gave us all of it, which was like $100. <laughs> to go four hours up to Wilmington? I think it was seven. It's like six oh, or seven. Oh, that's too fucking much. All right, I definitely spent at least 30 or 40 at that bar. I mean... <laughs> Between the two nights, probably like 80. It's Two it, nights? It, we played there... Oh, sorry... Uh, spoiler yeah. alert <laughs> we're, we're getting there uh so anyway we played that night and uh whoever was there i don't know if it was a manager bartender or just booker for the for the place mm-hmm. uh they really enjoyed us so that the next day was new year's eve and they and we were still down there because we made a trip of it because we also got friends that lived down there okay so it wasn't just going to play a show. It was like play a show and hang out. So that New Year's Eve, they contacted us. They said, hey, we're doing a, uh, it's like a New Year's tribute. Every, every band that's on it is doing a... Specific band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a, like, I think there was a Nirvana one. Oh, yeah. There was, was a, uh, there was an Iggy and the Stooges one. That must have been Bad fun. Religion? No. It was a Fat Wreck Epitaph. Okay. Oh, okay. That's uh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, they played anything off those two labels, and then uh, they actually they asked us to do Green Day. Yeah, uh, which we know now a lot of Green Day songs, but I think at the time we didn't know enough to cover a full. We set. could have maybe done half a set of, yeah. of just Green Day. But. So we agreed to do it, and then as time went on, we were just like, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. We're we're just really not prepared for it. And they're like, well, what else do you got? And I was like, well, I mean, we we know a lot of songs, but it's not just specific to one band. And they're like, well, well, what bands are? I was like, I mean, we got some Green Day, Blink-182, Alkaline Trio, Face to Face. And they're like, just do a 90s punk tribute. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's what we did. We we opened up that show playing just random punk songs from our inventory. That's awesome. And, and it, it, it was probably one of the best shows we've ever done. Definitely one of the most fun times we've it was, ever had it was on fun. stage for sure. They that, That's the best crowd I, I think we've ever had. Uh, I, I, February 2018, Five South. That was good too. Just just based on the volume But I, I think there, just the fact that we won over a... A, a full bar of people yeah. we didn't three know. Three states away, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, states away, and they were, by the end of it, they were all 100% about it. That's fantastic. And it, it, was, it was New Year's Eve, and they had been promoting for, you know, weeks, months, their new big New Year's Eve party, all the local punk bands doing tribute shit. So it just worked out, because the first night sucked so bad, but then we got on that second night, and it was just so fucking awesome. Well, have you been able to go back since? We have played at Reggie since then. Yeah. We played um and this past May, summer May yeah of uh nineteen very cool. I went to Riot Fest over in Chicago. I'm jealous. A couple years ago, regardless of what year, I'm jealous. Yeah, so <laughs> you're gonna be even more jealous when right. I tell you. Carry on. So it was face to face played. Okay. Uh, Run the Jewels played. Damn. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Jesus Lizard, um, Incubus played. Beck, Weezer. We missed Incubus once. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you that I tried watching them and there was no way for me to go into the stage because of all the people that were there. Yeah. And I said, fuck it. I can listen to their... Because they weren't playing any of the good stuff. Well, for me anyway. They weren't playing science or anything, so I didn't give a shit. So we're, we're walking around and we're trying to get over there to at least see them once. And it was just like this is fucking ridiculous. And there was another there was another band that I never thought I would get to see and they played and now I forget what they were. I mean Riot Fest is new. Was it the Lawrence Arms and was it the best experience of your life? (laughs) It wasn't the Lawrence Arms because I don't care about the Lawrence Arms and I feel like I should. It's one of the few bands that I just kinda like skirted my way around. Brendan Kelly's my idol. (laughs) <laughs> if Brendan Kelly and Garrett Dale could make a homosexual baby that was me, that's me. Okay. Well, that's, you know, who I'd strive to, you know, end up to not be. But, you know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Words are too much for me. <laughs> right. Anyhow. But, uh. Heroes. I got to tell them both they're facing the same night oh, once. Um, it was cool. Dillinger foreplay, too, which oh, is really, damn, really, I'm really cool. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did they play American Idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Cause, Oh, Suicidal Tennessee's played, which was fucking awesome. So all these bands, like what you were talking about, that 90s uh, punk scene, uh, all these bands that I never thought I would get to see ever, too, because they're all like SoCal bands. I was trying really hard to go to Riot Fest um, the year that Jawbreaker announced their reunion. Yeah. And obviously it didn't happen. And I was so stoked that they actually, months to a year later ended up doing a tour right. so i finally got to catch him in dc and that's that's the same thing like i was like i'd never thought i'd see jawbreaker yeah i've been for like years debating whether i'm saving up to go to riot fest or go to fest and you i go to have both. <laughs> at, because of uh you know just let's be true drugs and alcohol really yeah. poor planning <laughs> I, I haven't gone to either. You should go to both. Fest, I've never been able to go to. I get to. offers with people like, yo, camp with me. Yeah. And shit all the time. And I'm like, 
Especially now. I got a baby now. Like, Aww. I don't got time. Um, I want to go. Yeah, I think you missed out. Yeah. Because um, you're going to have a life like what Rob has had for a while. <laughs> he still um, goes to shit. Yeah, well, you're not going to be able to for a little bit. That's true. Um, That's true. But I, th- I think you missed out on the the best fests uh, over the past few years. But they, it's amazing because they still keep being strong. Mm. And Riot Fest, it's it's crazy because they they go bounce back and forth between like punk, metal, hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Run the Jewels played last, headlined the whole festival, and it destroyed. Aren't they from? They're from the Midwest, aren't they? Somewhere I don't I don't know I have no idea honestly yeah all they, I know for all I know they're from New York and I'm completely <laughs> off on that maybe <laughs> all I know is that it was the one of the best sets that I've ever seen yeah and they it was they're hype as shit it's awesome it was so good and that's that's kind of like what we were talking about where that's only two people and a dude on turntables right and to be able to bring a whole festival down is amazing. So that's like the potential of what hip hop is. But when you look at it from an open mic standpoint and you have just that one dude, apparently that's a trend now in like even bigger hip hop, like not like stadium size that I know of, but like the like bigger local level, like city level people apparently going out DJ list is becoming the trend yeah. just because save money and yeah. like easier planning yep. and stuff, whatever. But it's apparently becoming much more popular for people to just straight up, you know, hook up their beats onto an iPod up to a mixer and just go up with a microphone. But it does depend on the the main dude. To if you don't bring have the, the people, capability yeah. to be the hype man and the DJ and the performer at the same time, then don't try because it makes your set boring. Right. And it's vi- like, that's much more respect to them. I got two people that can balance, like when I'm being lazy, they can be energetic and like, like I stop singing, Rob starts singing, like people to give me breaks and take one, let me relax. Two, more importantly, take the crowd's attention off of me to them, so that we can all, you know, back and forth, not look foolish. Yeah, and I think that uh, that chemistry on stage translates to the audience as well. Absolutely, you can, you can kind of see that when it's only that one person trying to be as charismatic as they can be. It's still very difficult. We wouldn't be nearly as like whatever level of successful that we have been in this area if it wasn't just for a natural charisma of us on stage and crowd interaction there's tons of people that are like me on our music that want to see us just because it's a fun time like yeah. they enjoy it they're like yeah it's just good banter yeah it's um, decent tunes that february show from 2018 was that at five south yeah, yeah. i think okay. you were there yeah you were there that's that, that's when brothers creeper and mold yes. and okay. us all three bands Sold out of fifty tickets, that, and there was two other bands that sold a decent amount of tickets. A year too, too late, were there? Uh, were they? Or they were the one before that? I don't know. It Maybe last. That's where we met them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think it matters. What I was gonna say is to your point as far as the showmanship of the band, and is something that I do want to ask about. It blew me away to see you guys because I haven't seen you in such a long time play music, right? And it was like, oh, this is a three-piece that can actually still command the stage, which I really, really enjoyed because it's still the same music, but you guys are such a good time live 
that you bring in everybody. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciated that. And I really appreciated seeing the growth of everything in there. Cause it's, it's almost like a night and day difference from what I remember seeing. And then also you guys just running around stage, just being like, I am this band. I am the best. <laughs> We're going to have fun. And you don't have an option. You yeah. are going to have fun with us. Literally real life. Confidence is key. It's like on everything you ever go for, just going up at it. Like, it's gonna go well, <laughs> and if it doesn't, I don't fucking care. I'm right. the man, anyways. <laughs> but uh, I, I, that I have heard that's that's why a lot of people enjoy watching us. It's so raw, man. <laughs> well, what do you? They what don't do you, give a damn, and it's refreshing. <laughs> what do you think that is? Is that just something that has always been a part of you, or something that you even made a conscious decision about? Imitation. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's natural chemistry. Like we've been hanging out since we're like nine years old. Something like that, and just in general, bullshitting. I think it's just like it's fun. Like we genuinely, absolutely love being on stage and right. playing our music. It's just the the bee's knees. <laughs> if we could play once a week, we wouldn't have practice because we wouldn't need to, and we would just get right know, have a have the blast that we have. So, with that being said, how how difficult is it now to try to balance your your life and the kids and all that stuff and your job too? With uh, Matt, you were talking about how you might take a job up in D.C., right? So do you guys think about that stuff? And is it harder to schedule what you're doing now and to keep this band growing? Um, I mean, you've kind of witnessed that firsthand with scheduling this whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I want to let Mitch take this one. He hasn't talked much. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of a challenge now. Like, uh, believe it or not, when Ryan was born, we thought, well, we, we broke for a bit, but um, we thought that was, like, going to kind of be the end of it. I thought it was, like, end of life as we knew it. <laughs> but now he's he's had a lot of freedom afterwards and still to this day does. And um, It I helps mean, when you're not with the mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Word sounds terrible. So as far as the kids thing, I, I get my kids every single weekend. And I actually see them for like two or three hours after work, like four times a week. Okay. Uh, so I do have them a lot, but, and that's the thing, I don't go out much. So when we have to play shows and stuff, that's my excuse to go out. So like, you know how most people like when they want to take a break, like, oh, you know, let's drop the kids off at grandma's, let's go have a night out. I don't do that. But. So when it comes to shows, that's my night to let loose. So it's 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 also it, it might be good for the band in all honesty because not only am I giving a performance, but I'm also letting out all this energy that right. I have, you know, pent up inside yeah. me. So yeah, I mean between work and kids it's just it's hard to find that free time. But like I said, with with me in my case, uh after six o'clock I don't have them. So I have, you know, I'll get here at like 6.30 on a Wednesday night and we'll jam out for about hour and a half, two hours uh, when there's a show planned, depending on what it is. Uh, you know, obviously I'll schedule for like my parents or something to watch watch the kids for the night. And my kids have actually been to about four of our shows. That's pretty cool. Um, Hopefully they don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome for me when they're there and... 
also difficult at the same time because I'm trying to perform it at the same time, keeping an eye on them. Yeah. But, you know, luckily there's, uh, I think the last show they were at was when we were at uh, Hollywood Hill, Brandon Nicholson's house, and uh, Moats' whole family was there, so they just hung out with him, uh, hung out with them the whole time we were playing, and they had a blast. And I think Blue Crabs is more recent. Oh yeah, that's right. We did play that Blue Crab show, which same thing. But you same had, thing, you we had, had actually your, had my parents, parents were, there were there and everything. So, but yeah, I mean they 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 enjoy it. I try to make faces at them while I'm playing, <laughs> or uh, I've. I've he stopped Riot to be up. a parent in between songs yeah. a couple of times. It's been pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'll bring him up to the mic or whatever. And um, When I saw Suicidal Tendencies at Riot Fest, my favorite thing was that they brought their friends' kids on stage. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and it was so cool. So I think you should do that more just because of that. Um, but I, I think that's fantastic. So my, my next question real quick for you guys is is scheduling shows something that you think about more and have to schedule further in advance because of that stuff too? For me, no, because, because the only thing that holds me back is the kids. Mm-hmm. But like I said, as long as I have that notice, I can, I, you know, I can say, hey, I got a show this night. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get my parents to watch the kids or whatever, or you know, see if they'll stay with their mom, and I'll make it happen. So, like I said, it's it's easier for me to do that. Moats has probably the busiest schedule out of all of us just because he's always doing something. I'm all over the place, whether it's work or uh, being up in Annapolis or whatnot. I'm dating a girl in Annapolis, so I spend a lot of time up there. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a challenge to Leaving keep everything the country. together. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of travel. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm catching up on you know I'm, the first 25 years I didn't travel. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to get all of my system We're not now. throwing no shade here. Yeah, I feel like the people we work with do a really good job of hitting us up about shows way in advance. I think right now we have like three or four shows scheduled as far as next November out. Like the, the last year or so, it's been like we've been turning down more shows than we've been like outreaching, trying to get. Like it just it we just been lucky people put all almost these things like together yeah. yeah almost at least they <laughs> pretend to so or at least they're like hey people come watch our band if your band's on the ballot yeah so, that, that's the other thing is we we don't book a lot of our own shows like we used to when we first started yeah we're really fortunate in that people reach out to us ninety five percent of the time these days with our schedules like that's that's enough to book up what we are available yeah. to do sure yeah, yeah. and in, in the social media age. Uh, I mean, for, for the most part, if I do reach out, it's like somebody posts something, Hey, I'm, I'm putting the show on, I need a band. And then I'll just, if I see it, I'll send them a text like, Hey, y'all free this date. I'll go ahead and just send them our name and see what happens. Uh, and that's, that's how we get a lot of the, uh, out of town shows like DC, Virginia, you know, the local shows, a lot of times it's the same guys putting it on and they'll just, they'll just hit us up directly or. It doesn't get old though. You switch like there's enough bands and enough venues now to where yeah. you switch. Especially a lot of bars now have adopted doing three original bands. Like because yeah. typically a cover band would do three sets. Yeah. So a lot of them have adapted doing just just three, which for the time frame that we have and the length of sets and stuff is just working out really well, especially this way. Like as you know, back in the day of us all doing the shows at the church and stuff, all the all ages stuff without alcohol sales and the limited amount of people, the door only brings in so much money. 
So, I'm very aware. That's yeah, why I, I don't do that. Yeah. You, went, you went in the hole tons of times renting uh-huh. out a venue and stuff. Uh-huh. So now it's like the bars give us the venue. Like no one pays any money to get the venue. And then they make a dick ton of money on the alcohol sales. And with three bands playing and a hefty, you know, $5 cover is not bad. So, I mean, enough people are willing to pay it now. And... The, all that things added up. The three bands get paid pretty well. Yeah, to do, for playing original music uh, yeah. out around here, which is what we've been trying to fucking do for ten years. So the fact that it's finally happening, it's like let's keep doing that. Yeah, and then Matt has his dog that that uh <laughs> he's on the he's on the record. Yeah, you'll hear him on the record in a <laughs> yeah. couple months. Here. <laughs> That's what, he's on there. Um, speaking of that, so what do you have coming up? Um, cause you were talking about recording earlier and having a uh, little Cujo on there. So are you planning on a full release? Is it going to be another EP? What do you guys have coming up? Uh, we've got a full release coming. Um, it's actually really upsetting to think about say now because say a date. it was, uh, put it out there as public like information, say a date. Yeah. We finished recording <laughs> this last February, maybe March and <laughs> just been kind of sitting on it. Say a date. I, uh, a all throughout last year, I was trying to finish up my bachelor's, so I was just like overwhelmed with school, uh-huh. and we're like trying to do it all ourselves because um, I've got all the equipment and like the know-how. It's just been finding time to do it has been miserable. But I finished school last month, two months ago now, so that's like that's been a weight off my shoulders. The first month after finishing school, I was basically out of the country the entire time for the most part so we're trying to get this finished up and I had out a baby as soon at the same as possible time. right as soon as he <laughs> finishes school i had a baby so it's just like <laughs> we're gonna stay not available yes. so are you still good with the songs that are on the record coming out then i think we nitpick the shit out of ourselves constantly so i'm i listen back to it now i'm like i'm unhappy with all of this but we have to release <laughs> it like it has to go like now so yeah. we can start recording Another new songs. Right. There might be two or three of them. Like it's worth it to let it die and not release it. And the pretty much everything else, I'm like, no, no. Like master as best we can and put it out and just let it be out. And if it's not perfect, like everyone will understand and <laughs> we'll write an album's worth of new songs that they'll forget all about them. And, and uh yeah. I think I think we're all pretty happy with drinking money. I mean, that's the yeah. one song that's out currently and plus we're like halfway done writing the next album. Yeah, I, th- I think it's always interesting because you have life that happens a lot, right? And then when you are a band and you're trying to make everything happen yourselves, it's very difficult to get your stuff out and then you're sitting on it for however long you're mm-hmm. sitting on it and you're like, "No, I need this out." I, I, this is proof that we actually did stuff. Like we're not just playing shows just in our basement. This is proof that we actually did something and it needs to come out. And sometimes it, it depends on the, the ideas that you have as a band on what you want to do. Do you want to actually do it seriously? Like, do you want to get a whole social media marketing campaign for it? Or do you just want to like, enjoy guys. This is the songs that we've been playing for the past 10 years. I think both. I would like everyone to hear it, but more importantly, I want to listen to that shit on my hour and a half commute every day. You know, it's actually kind of fun to see um, the streaming service we we go through that posts all our stuff on Spotify and Apple Store and everything else. Um, when we export the like spreadsheet that shows yeah, yeah, yeah. where all the plays are and uh, the dates and whatnot, it's kind of cool to see. Actually, I don't even know if they've seen it. I've seen it where it kind of shows 
who's listening to our music where. And there's people in like the UK and Europe listening to Great. our shit. Like I have no clue you who they send are. Me those, how they like send me the links to look at that because I've seen other bands post it, but I've been like, that's probably neat. Well, <laughs> that probably looks really cool for us. I haven't been able to pull one down in a couple of months because we got to do that tax thing. Yeah. I'd we meant, have to file taxes to have for our especially doing yeah. it today. Apparently I got claim the blue crabs. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not worried about claiming the Spotify, which why are you worried about claiming Spotify? It's like $12. Like, I don't think you're at too much risk. Yeah. I don't know how all that works and it, like trying to avoid 1099 whatevers. And... Yep. It's like $12. It's not going to affect <laughs> where you're at. I think the whole just process of doing it, because I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it either. Yeah. So that's, I think that's funny. I, I also think that's something that no one really thinks about, because you guys have been a band for a while, but at the same time, like you still have to pay taxes because you're a band making money here and there. Sometimes. Uh, this is the first year we actually are going to have to do that. Cool. So let's wrap up with this, because um, we have the, the record that'll come out eventually. Sam wants a date, let's say by November. How's that? I'm hoping for it has that. To be sooner than that. Sooner than that. Oh, oh thank God like... that you guys said that because I was going to say 2020 just to have a number out there. So no, it, it, July. We've, but... we've got like initial mixes done and we're like tweaking them <laughs> now. Tweaking let's them. say by my I like birthday. Your, spirit, your fingers yeah. tweaking them. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to go by When's my your birthday? birthday? June 14th. Okay. This is a live deadline that you guys are coming up with. Yeah, this is the discussion right now. There's this is not a um report. <laughs> <laughs> um I like I like that though. Okay, so we have that that'll come out eventually. Um hopefully maybe the summer if not uh sometime in the fall. Mm. So I want to know with each of you what's the one thing that you've learned most about yourself when it comes to music in this band. That I'm not very good. <laughs> um yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I'm gonna do it till I die. That's the very f- most thing I got out of it is the, like I, I go to work all the time. I love my baby. I love my girlfriend. That there's nothing that makes me feel the way I feel when we're playing our original music, just hanging out with like two of my best friends that've been my best friends for the last decade, two decades, and just like the the songs we've released have helped. But we have plenty of like crowd interaction, like people singing back songs that we wrote without releasing music. Right. We just played enough, right. and they've seen us enough times that they know the words of this song. They know how this goes. So it just that that feeling in general is enough to do this forever. If I can find some way to make more money doing it, so that I can get rid of my jobs and dedicate a hundred percent of my time towards. I'll do other kinds of music, anything to pay the bills to focus more time to doing specifically Debbie Holiday. Sure. Do you think that's what keeps you motivated the most? A hundred percent. I want to do it forever, yeah. forever. And that, that itself keeps me motivated. Plus a lot of like what the songs we played when you were there is all original songs. They all sucked, but <laughs> it's like, you kind of have to sit back and let life happen to you before you can write good songs. You have to yeah. have something to say. Yeah before so the way you know the hiatuses and stuff the shit getting in the way it helps because it just fuels the follow the comeback material it's just it's this is what the new songs are is why we haven't been playing recently well here's a new album explaining why we haven't been here gotcha cool i would say i think me and him both actually have songs on the table that we still need to like almost an album's worth bring (laughs) bring together we haven't even practiced them and fully written them yet (laughs) 
but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's just, it, it's what keeps my sanity. I don't know, without playing music, I guess I just feel like I'm living like this Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, and I, fucking puddle. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not Bill Murray, so I don't want to do that. Matt, what do you think keeps you driven the most to continue to do it? Because you have a whole, like, actual grown-up job and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, you got a degree. You know, went it's, to college. It's, Our children don't make shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because... You don't have real jobs. <laughs> I, I never thought I would be, like, the corporate career-oriented dude, but over the past couple of years, it's kind of just evolved, and I guess just the the fun of it is what really keeps me going and kind of bouncing off what Sam was saying. It's like over the years, the past decade plus, you know, like jobs have come and gone and other friends and girls and whatnot have come and gone, but this has been one constant. And, you know, at the end of the night, whether we're on a stage somewhere or just down here, like we're still just the same three dudes playing the same 30 songs. And that's how it's been for 10 years, and it's probably how it's going to go for the next couple decades. So, I have as much fun playing our songs on stage with you guys as I do like going to a show together and seeing like one of our favorite bands and shit together. It's equal amounts of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. We're overdue for that. I Shout dig out. it. Red City Radio is coming in March or May. March or May. It's on Wednesday, though. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Goodbye.